0: Right. Good morning. Good to see you. Glad to uh, be here and worshiping together. If you're a visitor with us, first time with us, so glad you're here. Um, It is good to gather in the house of the Lord on the Lord's Day, worshiping. The Lord with God's people. And so, uh, so excited to get into our passage uh, this morning. That's what we're going to do now. We're going to turn our attention to the Word of God. And uh, so, if you have a copy of Scripture, I'd encourage you to pull that out now. If you need a copy of Scripture, you can find one underneath one of the seats in front of you. Uh, Let me just say hello to those of you joining us online. Glad you could be with us in that way. Um, As we do uh, turn to the book of Acts, Uh, As you're turning there, I just have a couple things I want to um, just share and kind of a few updates on on a few things. Um, As as I think we're probably most of us, all of us are aware, uh, this week uh, our county's um, longstanding mask mandate is uh, set to End. And I know some of us are in the camp that is very excited about that. Um, Others of us are in the camp that is maybe a little nervous about that. Um, I know that we, you know, are just in different places on that. And so the word I just wanted to say was that, you know, we're going to continue to do what we've done and we're going to seek local uh, guidelines. And so our mask sign that's on the door will be uh, coming down. And um, uh, I have been faithfully wearing my mask and I will uh, be taking it off. Um, But I, would, I do wanna say that if, if a masking section would be something that would be helpful to you or you know, kind of make you uh, more comfortable, we would be happy to do that, all right? So we're gonna continue. Like, we've been kind of walking through this together, trying to um, care for each other um as best we can. And so we want to, and so if that would be something that we could do, if there's a a section that we could kind of put in place and have um, that available um, uh, for you, uh, we would be happy to uh, do that. And uh, so just let me know and um, or talk to one of the um, other people on staff and and, and do that. And as always, I mean, you're welcome to continue to... um, you know wear your mask um nobody's you know you don't have to take it off you're you're that's totally fine um, last summer when the masks were down for just a little bit i um I always kept one in my pocket and kind of put one on if I was ever talking to somebody that had a mask. And I'd say, hey, do you want me to put a mask on? You know, so we're just going to continue to care for each other. That's all I'm saying. I know we've been through this for a while now. And so, uh, you know, this will be um, uh, the same. But I will say I am excited about seeing all of your smiling faces again. I assume that they're still smiling. Maybe something's changed, you know, in the... Um, in the time since, but uh, <laughs> I assume that they're uh, smiling under there. Um, along with that, with uh, that changing, you know, we've had more and more uh, people uh, coming um, you know, in joining us. Um, and, uh, and so, um, which means that our uh, live stream for the last two years, uh, we have been, we have live streamed every single worship service that we have had in this room um, out uh, to, for everyone to be able to join. And we're not changing that. We're not taking that away. Um, uh, but, um, you know, even back in the time when, if you remember when everything first shut down, if you can remember back that far, that seems like a really, really really long time ago. Um, we, uh, we actually were live the whole time, and I don't know if I would do that again, but that's what we did, and we were, we were live, and uh, just a handful of us in this room, and, and kind of doing, uh, doing that. Um, but last year, about a year ago, we um, were running out of room in one service, and so we had to add a second service. Um, and uh, and so we've been uh, streaming both services. So what we're going to do is we're going to continue to live stream every week. That's still going to be an option, especially if you're kind of traveling or sick or can't make it in. So those of you that are joining us, um, happy. We want to continue to provide that as an opportunity. But starting next week um, on March 6, we're going to scale it back to just one streaming service. Um, we've been streaming both. Um, both of our services are the same, and so um, and, and we've offered that. On, but obviously space is not an issue online. It's it's more just a matter of convenience and kind of having the time <laughs> to do that and so what we're gonna do we're just gonna stream our um, now this was an easier announcement to make in our, our 830 we're gonna do our 8:30 service uh, we've been watching the numbers and for the last several weeks that 8:30 service surprisingly is the one to go to and so there's probably a handful of you on and so hopefully um, that doesn't come as too sad of news you'll just have to set that alarm a little earlier or get up and and kind of be on for that if you absolutely can't or like you can't make 830 um, our service is always available on our YouTube channel, on Facebook, in its entirety. You can go back and see it or you can you know join with in that way. Um, the the primary and kind of major reason why we're doing this is honestly just to give some relief to our team. Um, we have a team that has been faithfully serving um, and, and doing that each and every week. It's, it, it adds several people you know, between hosts and cameras and switchers and all that stuff that happens behind the scenes that you guys don't get to see. Um, we have a whole team that's kind of doing that, and so just to provide sort of the relief for that. I think it would be appropriate at this time. Can we just thank the team for doing that? They've been so faithful <laughs> for that. So, starting next week, just our eight thirty service on live stream, and um, you know we're going to continue to um, offer uh, offer that. Um, and then the last thing um, that I just wanted to kind of address and, and speak to this morning is, I'm sure uh, you know, um, I'm sure we've been following the news this week, and we've watched um, as. Uh, you know The attacks from Russia have come against Ukraine and, and uh, seeing war break up there in that, that country. And obviously this is a complicated situation. It's one that's you know developed over years. Um, but where we're at now is uh, the result of what is happening is going to cause many, many deaths, um, it's going to displace an estimated four to five million people um, that are going to be refugees for uh, of time, um, and certainly the, the nations, both Russia and Ukraine, are, are uh, being impacted in this. And you know, we're reminded once again um, that our world is broken and in need of hope and in need of a savior. And um, one of the things that we can do um, right now and in this place and, and this week is we can pray for God's work to be um uh, happening there and for his hand to be upon it. And so I'm sure if you're on any sort of social media, what always happens during this thing is everyone posts something that says pray for, you know, whatever it is. And that's a fine thing to do. So I'm not, I'm not in any way saying that don't do that. But my always question is, well, how do I pray? Like I wanna pray, but what, what are the things that I can pray for? Um, well, there's a really simple guide that one of our network uh, partners, uh, Send Relief, has put together. And so we're gonna throw this QR code. If you have your phone, you wanna scan this, you can just download um, this. We're gonna send it out in our weekly. So if you don't want to get your phone out right now and scan it, that's fine. We'll, um, we'll send it out. But it just has 10 points of prayer. Um, it's very simple. Um, but it looks like this is just kind of a PDF that has 10 points of prayer for how do I pray for uh, Ukraine um, right now. And, um, and so before we go any further in our service, before we uh, turn to God's word, I just want to take a minute and just pray for the people there, pray for what's happening there um, Recognizing just the impact, not just there, but uh, across our globe, and so let's uh, let's just pray uh, now. If you would join me, our God, we come before you, and as we just sang, Lord, you are uh, Lord of all, and you are on the throne, and God, you are above rulers, kings, authorities, um, and uh, God, you are you are in control, and so. We want to ask that you would be uh, present and working um, in the country of Ukraine right now. God, that you would be with um, the people uh, there. Uh, God, we ask that that, there, um, that you would protect uh, people, uh, that the cal- casualties would be uh, limited. We know that that's a, a result of, of war, but Lord, we just pray for, um, for your uh, hand of protection upon the people. And God, we pray for um, uh, just... Um, God, those that are scared and hurting and, and, and with, out of their home and, um, and God, especially we pray for the believers there. God, we pray for the church that is in Ukraine. Would you strengthen those believers? Um, I've seen many, many stories, uh, Lord, of their faithfulness and, and, and caring for those in need and, and continuing to point to um, the hope that's found in you and so God, we ask that you will uh, work there and strengthen, build up your church, equip your church. And God, we just pray for um, your protection and um, God, for um, uh, the conflict to be uh, resolved and God, just for your hand to be upon um, that. And so, uh, Lord, we um, just acknowledge you as Lord. We pray now for our time as we turn our attention to your word, would you teach us, would we hear from you? Uh, We ask that in the name of your son, Jesus, amen. And, all right, well, uh, hopefully you've uh, found the book of Acts. We are going to continue in our series that we are calling Unstoppable. Um, if you've been with us for a while, you know that we've been in the book of Acts for a while, and uh, we are looking at this um, important book. It's, it's kind of a unique book in the New Testament. It sort of serves as this, this hinge uh, point in the New Testament. You have uh, the Gospels or what comes before, telling the story of Jesus, who he is, what he taught, what he did, and his death and resurrection direction uh, then the rest of the New Testament is is everything that happens after and so it's mostly filled with letters uh, to the churches from the churches from the um, from the Apostles uh, to the churches uh, encouraging them teaching doctrine uh, you know teaching and, and, and explaining but but the book of Acts is different it tells the story of how it got from um, um, from here to there right and so it's this is uh, After Jesus was raised, he he gathered his followers and he said, I want you to go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. And So that's what we're seeing here is the unstoppable move of the Holy Spirit, the unstoppable move of God as the church is being equipped, built up, and sent out uh, among uh, the surrounding areas. And uh, we have seen, we're now in chapter 10 this morning, and we're seeing the way that God is moving. And we just sang it, but here's the uh, title of this morning's uh, sermon is this. He is Lord of all. He's Lord of all. And, um, you know, I think, again, it's good to express that and to know that. um, But I think sometimes we ask the question, like, how? How do we know or how do we see that he is Lord of all? In our passage this morning, it's an amazing example, uh, just a very concrete way that we can see the lordship of God at work, the lordship of Jesus Christ, at work in the building up of his church. And so we're going to walk through this exciting passage together and just see the way that God is Lord of all. Um, And here's where it begins. Let me... um, uh, let me just uh, read with, uh, with you if you have your Bible. Uh, we're in Acts chapter 10, beginning in verse 1, and we're going through a lot of verses this morning. We're not going to read all of them, um, but for that reason, they're not going to be on the screen, so I hope you got a copy in front of you and you can follow along. Let's jump into it. It says this, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. A devout man uh, who feared God with all his household and gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers. And your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Simon Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel who spoke to him and departed, had called, he called two of his servants, a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. All right, here's the first thing that we see in the way that... uh, Jesus is Lord over all is this. He begins with this preparation. Uh, God is preparing. He's moving in the hearts of people. And so the lordship of God is present even before the work is being done. He's preparing the work uh, to be done. Um, you know, it's not, uh, we're not that far off. Uh, we are approaching the time when things begin to thaw and it's like that awful in between, right? Everything sort of gets kind of muddy and kind of like that always happens every year. I know it's usually about this time that we doubt if that's ever going to happen, although this year, a little less so. It's been pretty mild. Um, now I'm going to say that, and then we're going to get dumped on for the next like three weeks. So sorry about that. But um, you know, usually by this point we're like in despair. Like, is that ever coming? Like, are we ever going to see the grass again? Right? Is that? And, and but but what happens then? Everything begins to thaw, and then what quickly do you see happening in all the fields around us? Is the preparation for the planting ultimately leading to harvest? Right? And there's so much work that goes into the preparation, uh, preparing the field, getting it ready, and the planting of the seeds, and all these things that you can hardly see, but it's so crucial for the harvest to come. Without the preparation, there is no harvest. What God is doing in the hearts of people is he is preparing them for the harvest that he's about to do. And one of the parts that he's preparing is this man here, Cornelius. Let's learn about him. It says that he's a centurion, So he is a Roman centurion, he's a Gentile, he's not a Jew, and he is over this Italian cohort, so in charge of many, many soldiers, he's in charge of the area there, but we learn something else about him, he was a spiritual man, he was devout, is what it says, who feared God along with his household, so it wasn't just him, but he also those who worked for him that were in his house, his family members, also fearing God. And what did he do? He gave alms generously to the people and he prayed continually to God. So he had this reverence for the Lord. Now, what we understand and see, the way that it's written there, it's talking about, he's praying to, and his uh, worship is of, his prayers are to, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Old Testament the God of the Jewish people, the God of Israel. That's who he is worshiping here. So it's not just kind of using some generic word God, it's talking about the Jewish God. But because of his, gen, his, um, his Gentile roots, there's only uh, so far that he can go in that. He can never be fully Jew in that way. And so he's about as close as you can to adopting and worshiping and, 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 and praying to this Jewish God as you can get, but there's still this, um, this distance there from that. But notice what's happening is he is visited by an angel of God. He has this vision, and he comes and says, Cornelius, what is it, Lord? And the angel replies, your prayers, your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. So here's this man, not a part of the family of God, and he's praying and, and being generous to others, and God sees it. He recognizes his heart. He likes what he sees. He's, um, he's drawn to this, his heart here. And so he's moving and preparing in the heart of Cornelius for the work that he wants to do. And so what does he do? He tells him to send men to Joppa and to bring Simon, who is called Peter, Peter. Now, sometimes the Bible has just these little points, and if you really kind of read it, you'll see that it's just some funny situations happening here. I love this. He points out, he says, bring Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. You, see, you catch what just happened there? He's like, go get Simon, but make sure that you ask for Simon, who's called Peter, not Simon the tanner. It's like, you're going to be sadly disappointed if Simon the Tanner shows up. He's not going to have much for you, right? But Simon Peter, he does. It reminds me of this time, my, my, one of my younger brothers, he um, worked for this restaurant washing dishes. And one time, I don't know if he often answered the phone, I don't think he did, but he answered the phone and his name is Sam. And the person on the other side said, hey, I'm calling for Sam. And he said, oh, are you calling for Sam the dishwasher or Sam the owner? And the guy on the other side's like, I'm calling for Sam the owner. Why would I call for Sam the dishwasher? And he's like, oh yeah, good point. Let me go get Sam the owner. (laughs) And I don't think he owned that he was Sam the dishwasher, okay, that was asking that uh, that question, right? And so uh, the angel was very specific, bring Simon who's called Peter, not Simon the tanner, don't get them confused, because he has something that I'm going to speak through him. And so he does just that, right? He, he, he gathers a couple servants, a devout soldier, and he sends them to Joppa. See, what's happening here is God is moving in the hearts of people to prepare them for the work that he is about to do. We see that in the, in the heart of Cornelius. We're gonna see it again in the heart of Peter. Let's uh, keep reading. Look at verse nine. It says, the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop in the sixth hour to pray, and he became hungry, and he wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance, all right? So he's praying, he gets hungry, asks for them to make some food, they're making it, and now he has this vision. What was this vision? In his trance, he saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. And in it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. I heard one preacher refer to this as uh, like the pigs in a blanket uh, vision that he had here, okay? And then there came from a a voice uh, uh, to him and it says this, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. So God, he recognized it to be the Lord. He recognized it to be God. He says, No, like I I cannot do this. I've never eaten something common or unclean. Then the voice came to him a second time and said this, what God has made clean, do not call common. He's correcting him here. He's like, no, no, I'm calling it clean, so don't you call it common. I'm telling you, you can eat it. And then this happened three times and the thing was taken at once up into heaven. Now, if you know Peter's story, uh, he is a little slow on the uptake sometimes, right? He doesn't always catch it the first time. So this is the first time. It's like this kind of, it takes him three times to get it. Remember, he denied Jesus three times. Three times, Jesus asks, Peter, do you love me, right? There's this kind of, this set of threes. Well, three times, he's trying to say, no, no, I'm calling it clean. What I call clean, do not call unclean or common And Peter obviously is perplexed trying to figure out what's going on. We know what's going on. God's preparing his heart. He's moving in his heart for what he's about to do. And we're gonna see that right here. Verse 17, when Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision he had seen might mean, behold, men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate. Imagine the timing. Wow, what a coincidence. And he called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, he's still trying to figure it out, right? The spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you. They are, uh, rise, go down, accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well-spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear what you have to say. And so he invited them in to be his guests. And so here we see again that uh, Peter's heart is being prepared for the work that God is about to do. And he knew, God knew, that he was going to have to change Peter's heart. See, what was going on with that vision, you have to understand some of the laws and rules, regulations that Peter had been living by from the time that he was born. You see, the Levitical code, the law that was given to the Jewish people was there were certain foods that were clean and some that were unclean. And so the unclean animals, you were never to eat. And there was all sorts of regulation. If you really want to get into it and just have a fun Sunday afternoon, you can open up to the book of Leviticus later and there's a couple other places you can turn and you can see all about the hooved animals and the, the, the ones that crawl and some of the, you know, these reptiles, all these things, they would have been seen as unclean, right? And so there were laws by which they could eat. And Peter's like, I've always followed. I've never tasted pork. Like I've never had a ham sandwich, that has no desire for me. I I've always, but yet this is coming down, and God is saying, "Take, kill, and eat," which I do like the kind of you know uh, the, the the theological reasoning for um, the meat that I like to eat. Right here's a kind of a little bit of a proof for that. Here it's like it's okay, right? And so he's saying, "Take and eat," and he's like, "I've never done that." It's It's unclean. And God is like, no, I'm calling it clean. I'm telling you to do it. And so what he's doing is he is trying to show him, trying to change um, his heart in this. Additionally, what he's doing is even more so than, than the meat thing, what it's actually trying to prove is even a greater point in his receiving of Gentiles. You see, what he's about to do when he welcomes them into his home, that was off limits as well. Jews did not have Gentiles into their home. They likewise did not go over to Gentiles' homes. They did not eat with them. They did not uh, do those things because that would make them unclean. And then there was all sorts of regulations and ceremony procedures that they would have to do to become clean again. And so here you have Peter. He sees and he understands. He knows. He's like, I know why I saw this vision, right? God's trying to tell me that what he's calling clean, if he sent these men... Then I need to welcome them in. I need to go with them and go. And that's exactly what happened. The next day, he rose and he went with them. Some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. So he doesn't go alone. Some of those from the church come with him. It's his brothers there. And so on the following day, they entered Caesarea, and Cornelius was expecting them, and he had called together his relatives and close friends, right? Cornelius is like, I don't know what this guy's going to say, but it's something important, right? The angel, the angel asked me to get him, and he's coming, and so you better come in here. And he invites all those that he cares about there to be with him. And so Peter gets there, and it says when Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. The idea here is one of like extreme reverence, but to the point of worship, um, it would be certainly something you would show toward a king or some um, you know, royalty, uh, but even beyond this, this would be the same word that would be used if someone was to go to a temple and bow down to a god. He does this to Peter. He is um, falling at his feet, but Peter, quickly, he was like, no, that's, that's not, he says, Peter lifted him up, saying, stand up, I too am a man. The uh, Pastor Dave translation is, stand up, I am just a dude, right? Like, that's what he's saying. Like, I'm just a dude, just like you, okay? So you don't need to do any of that. No bowing down to me. I'm just a man. And he went and he talked with him and he went in and he found many persons gathered, and there's this like fantastic moment here because look at, he, he walks in, he sees the crowd that, that, that Cornelius had gathered and he said to them, you yourselves know, you're like, this is unlawful for a Jew to associate with or visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. He's like, listen, he's like, you know I shouldn't be here. I'm like, this is against everything that I believe, everything that I have stood for my entire life. I've, I've been very careful to follow the regulation which God himself laid out for us. And so the fact that I'm here in your home, but he's like, God showed me that he is moving. He has called me. He has prepared me for this so that I can come. So why am I here? Great question. He's like, why'd you send for me? And I love the answer. Cornelius said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying at my house. Right, So he relays the vision. He's like, a man came, said, um, go, call for Simon the Peter. He's lodging at the house of Simon the Tanner. Um, You're Simon Peter, right? Not the Tanner. Um, And when I sent for you at once, you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. I love it. It's like, so you want me to, like, he's like, why are you here? I don't know, you called me. Well, yeah, but don't you have something to tell me? He's like, you know, so they're just trying to figure out what it is. Peter recognizes the situation. He's like, I know what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about Jesus. And so Peter opened his mouth and he said, truly, I understand this. Look at this. God shows no partiality, but in any, every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. What an incredible statement for Peter to make. Here is what we need to see the Lord of all doing in the heart of Peter. He has been preparing him for this moment to recognize who he is. God is moving in the heart of people. Why is God moving? Well, I think it's an indication and sort of shows us the character of God. Maybe a couple things you want to jot down about the character of God that we see here in this passage. Um, The first is we see in this passage God's love for people. He loves Cornelius. He loves Cornelius' household. He wants them to come to a saving faith in him. And so because of his love for them, he is making a way. He is providing the means by which they're going to hear the gospel by which they're going to hear about salvation. God's love is for Cornelius. And again, let's remember, Cornelius is not a Jew. He's not one of God's children, he is a Gentile. He is outside of the nation of Israel and yet we see God's love for the nations. It says here that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. The point that we are seeing here is that God loves the world, as John three sixteen said. We don't just see his love, though. We also see God's uh, sovereignty. God is working through these situations, right? No one is outside of the reach of God's hand. He comes to Cornelius, a Gentile, right? Provides this vision for him and tells him to go call a stranger that he's never even heard of. I mean, God is orchestrating all this. He's putting all of these pieces together. Why? Well, because God wants to change the heart of Cornelius. You see, we learned that Cornelius is a devout man, but he is not saved. Let's make sure that we understand the difference. Being spiritual does not mean that you are saved. There are a lot of spiritual people on our planet yet today that are so far from the heart of God. Cornelius was close, he was spiritual, he was praying to the right God. He was doing some right things. He was giving generously, right? He was devout and he was being spiritual, but what we see here is he had not yet passed from death to life, he was dead in his sins. He needed salvation, he needed a savior, and so God in his sovereignty was not content to leave Cornelius in his spirituality, but was calling him to a place of salvation. And so in his sovereignty, he's arranging these pieces on the board, and he's bringing Cornelius to this place that he would hear and know the gospel, not just for Cornelius, but for his whole household, right? He gathers family and friends, people that were part of his cohort that would have worked for him. They're there to hear God's sovereignty is working. But on top of his love, on top of his sovereignty, we see God's power. He has the power to change and to transform. If we know one thing about Peter is that Peter is a work in progress, right? God is always working on the heart of Peter. He's come a long ways, but he has further to go. And so what God is doing here in the heart of Peter is he's trying to show him this. I mean, the statement that he makes, he says, I now understand something. What do I understand? That God shows no partiality. You see, God was showing his power in transforming even the heart of Peter And we think about how hard it would have been for Peter to go into the house of Cornelius. Well, the same is true in the heart of Cornelius. I mean, imagine a man of his prominence, of his stature, of his authority, welcoming in this fisherman who was pretty contentious figure, right? In the nation of Israel at this point, in Jerusalem, he was pretty well known. That Peter who followed Jesus, well, he invited him into his home and then he's falling down at his feet and he's like, tell me what you have for me. Cornelius is humbling himself. God's power is at work in the heart of Cornelius. And what God is doing in the heart of Peter, he's bringing him to the place that not just recognizes the heart of God, but understands and recognizes the plan of God. You see, it was the plan of God all along to save both Jews and Gentiles. God's plan was never meant to be just a Jewish thing. And I think that was probably in the minds of Jesus' followers that it wasn't always going to be a Jewish thing somehow. Because Jesus said, he said, take the gospel to the ends of the earth. He said, be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, the ends of the earth is not Jewish, that's Gentile. So they had an understanding, but I don't think they yet had worked it all out. Like, how's God going to do it? Peter knew that it would happen, but he didn't know how God was going to do it. And so through this vision, what God is doing, preparing and moving in his heart, he's showing Peter that the Jewish laws ultimately were fulfilled in Jesus Christ and that God had made a way for anyone, regardless of nationality, ethnicity, their background, what they've done, their history, to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. He's gonna make the statement we're gonna see in just a second, but he sees that all the prophets bear witness to Jesus Christ and so this law these rules that he had been following were pointing to our need for a Savior and so here in this place he recognized that God was doing a new work he was rewriting the rules on this in real time and he wanted to use Peter in that place so God Lord of all is preparing moving in the hearts of people but here's what we see God do next it's this is there's proclamation God is saving through the gospel. See, Peter comes and he makes this statement as we've already read. God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him, he then shares and lays out the gospel for them to hear. Verse 36 is where it starts. It says, as for the word that he sent to Israel preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is the Lord of all. You yourselves know What happened throughout all Judea? He's like, you've probably heard the stories. Beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Well, he went about and he was doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. And they put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen as God's witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one anointed by God to judge the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name." Peter proclaims the gospel. This is the message they needed to hear. This is the message that they sent for. This is the message that Peter came to bring was gospel proclamation. And here's the fact that the matter is this, is that if the gospel is not preached, the people cannot be saved. They cannot hear. They need to respond to Jesus Christ. And that's clear throughout scripture. It says, how, how will they hear if there's not a preacher to say? I mean, this is what Peter came to do. And have you ever seen a more primed and ready audience? Like it's it's kind of, um, it's something that, you know, I think any, any preacher would love the chance. I mean, they were like, ready. They had to have been hanging on every single word. They're like, tell us what you have, right? I mean, imagine the buildup to it. Like they've been waiting for this. I think the trip took a little longer than it did to get there. So they're probably, you know, been expecting him for a while. And now he shows up and they're like, tell us what we need to hear, right? They were so excited to hear this. And what did they hear? They heard the gospel. Peter lays out all the essential elements of the gospel. What does he say? He's like, you heard about Jesus He was of Nazareth and he was given power through the Holy Spirit. He healed, he taught, he did good while he was here. But then he was put to death on a cross, right? They hung him on a tree and he didn't stay dead. God raised him on the third day and made him to appear. Not everybody got to see him, but those who of us who are his witnesses, we saw him, we ate with him, we drank with him. Luke loves to include that. He always is talking about the eating and the drinking, his doctor side kind of coming out here. He's like, we ate with him and we drank with him after he rose from the dead, and he told us to preach the gospel to anyone who would hear to testify that he's the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. And here is the message that I have for you today. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. The spirits have been preparing their hearts and at this moment, they are being saved. They respond We're gonna see here in just a minute that they respond to this message, but the gospel is proclaimed here. They believe, yes, Jesus is who you say he is, and we are sinners in need of a savior. Notice that. It says the forgiveness of sins comes through his name. See, the reality of this, um, the reason why, why Peter makes the statement that God shows no partiality is the fact that every person that walks on this planet has been made in the image of God. You have been made in the image of God. And it gets better, you are loved by your maker. Every person on this planet is loved by the God that made them. He loved them so much that he sent his son to die and to make a way that there might be forgiveness of sin through his son, Jesus Christ. And that is the hope of the gospel, is that you are made by God God, who, made, who put his image upon you, you are loved by your maker and there is better life ahead for you in Jesus Christ. And this is the message that we are proclaiming today to every person. C.S. Lewis said that you have never, ever talked to a mere mortal. Every person that you have ever talked to is immortal. They have been made by God and they will live forever. The question is, where will they live forever? Forever. God is willing that none should perish, but all should come to acceptance of him. All should come to repentance, but not all will, right? We see some reject, some never turn. And so he's saying that any, all who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. All who call upon the name of Jesus Christ will be saved. The opposite is true. Without calling upon the name of Jesus for salvation, no one can be saved. There is salvation in no one else but through Jesus And this is the proclamation God saves through the good news of Jesus Christ, through the work of Christ upon the cross, his death, his resurrection for the forgiveness, for the payment, for the penalty of sins. And they are ready to hear it. They are here for it. Well, look what happens next, verse 44. Peter, while he's still saying these things, he's like kind of trying to wrap up, hasn't quite landed the plane, Notice what happens. The Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers among them, the circumcised who had come, right? So the Jewish believers that were there with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was now being poured out even on Gentiles. Like, what? Them too? Like, that happened to us. I didn't think it was going to happen to them. Now they're experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit in the same way that we saw in Acts chapter 2 at the day of Pentecost, Notice verse 46, they were hearing them speaking in tongues and they were extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people? We shouldn't be surprised by that. Baptism comes next. They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. Let's get these guys baptized, right? These men, these women that have responded to the gospel, they've been given the Holy Spirit. Let's baptize them as a demonstration of the work that has been done in their life. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Here's what we see next. God, the Lord of all, they see saving through the gospel proclamation. Now he gives confirmation. God is giving the Holy Spirit to the Gentile believers. He's confirming the work that he has done. So the question is, is are they truly saved? Yes, they are. How do we know that? Because they've been given the Holy Spirit. Now, we've said before, this is not the case that we see every person who comes to faith in Christ does not respond or kind of um, speak in tongues in this way. These were known languages. They were preaching and proclaiming the gospel, but this was an extra over-the-top visible sign that God was giving to the church to show his powerful work here. We don't see this repeated. These are two, split. we see it come to the Jewish nation and then we see it again here with the Gentiles. And there's never ever an outpouring like this in this same way again. It's a special sign. Why? What's God trying to do? He's like, just as I worked in you, I'm also working here in this moment with these Gentiles. It's incredible. He's giving their, his Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that was given to uh, the church in Jerusalem is now given here to the church which is now in Caesarea, it's incredible. But I have better news for you. Not just did God confirm in these believers' hearts, but he's also confirmed in the heart of every believer still today. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, I apologize, I don't have a slide for it, you can write down the reference, it says this, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, in him also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. What does that mean? It means that when you received the gospel for your salvation and believed in Jesus, you were sealed by the Holy Spirit. The down payment, the guarantee, the the promise that he has is the Holy Spirit upon you. What the New Testament clearly teaches is in the heart of every believer lives and indwells the Holy Spirit, the person of God, the third person of the Trinity. And the Holy Spirit is a guarantee of the inheritance that is yet to come. And so God's already given you his spirit. And he's like, there's more where that came from, okay? For now, you get my spirit, which is a lot. And so every person who is saved by Christ has been given his spirit. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is now at work within your heart. And that is the promise that he has given. And we don't have time to kind of unpack. It's not kind of the primary point of what he's saying here, but that is why we uh, preach with conviction that if you have been saved by Jesus Christ, truly saved by Christ, now some people profess Christ, right? They look like it. Cornelius looked like he may have been saved, he wasn't saved yet. But if you have been saved by Christ, you have been given the Holy Spirit, God is not gonna take that away. That's his guarantee. And so if you have been saved by Christ, you are alive. You can't die again. You have been made alive. You have passed from death to life. You can't pass back to death. He's adopted you into his family. He doesn't unadopt those people. He doesn't unadopt his children. If he's adopted you into his family, you're in, you are part of his family I like to say it this way, we believe that you didn't do anything to contribute to your salvation, right? Jesus did it all. If you didn't do anything to gain your salvation, how could you possibly do something to lose it? It was never yours to be earned. So how could you do something? I hope that comes as an encouragement to some of you. Some of you need to hear and know that God will not lose those whom he keeps. If you are in his hand, you will be there forever. And he's inviting everyone to be in his hand to respond to the hope that is found in the gospel. And so the confirmation given to the church is the same that was given there in Jerusalem. Now in Caesarea, they're speaking in tongues through the Holy Spirit, proclaiming the message of Christ. They're giving testimony to Jesus. And now they're baptized. And can I just plug baptism for a second? If you have not yet been baptized as a follower of Jesus, that is your next step. Like there is nothing, like, do not pass, go, don't go anywhere else. Like, you gotta get baptized. Sometimes I hear this. I hear like, well, I really wanna get some things in order first. I gotta clean this part up. That's not, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but that's nowhere found in scripture. What we see is the progression of God works in someone's heart. They receive Jesus Christ as savior, and then they are baptized. That's the progression and so, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, your next move is to be baptized. We're hopefully would love to have another baptism service here soon. If you need to be baptized, talk to one of us, talk to somebody around here that looks like they know what they're doing. If they don't, they'll point you to someone who does. And we would love to schedule a time very soon that you would be baptized. They didn't waste any time; they baptized with water. Why? It's an outward demonstration, a picture of what was being done in their hearts. They've been given the Holy Spirit, this confirmation, and now they had their baptism to look back on and be reminded of that day when they passed from death to life. Well, it doesn't end there. We see the Lord of God, the Lord of all, right, preparing, proclaiming, now confirming his work, leading to celebration for the church. There's celebration. God is building up his church, and the church is encouraged by it in chapter 11 beginning in verse 1 it says this now the apostles and the brothers who were with or were throughout judea heard that the gentiles had also received the word of god and so peter he went to up to jerusalem the circumcision party criticized him saying you went to uncircumcised men and ate with him imagine that church people fighting over something it's crazy right Can't believe it. We've come so far. I can't believe that they would do something like this. But here you have the party of the circumcision, right? They're all about the circumcision. They gotta get circumcised, which is an odd thing to like, you know, kind of get all ramped up about, but that's what they were, you know, excited about. And uh, they, they criticized him because he went to these Gentile men, these uncircumcised men, and ate with them. But look what happens. I love this. But Peter began to explain it to them in order. And he tells the whole story. I'm not going to read it because it's just going to say what just happened. You can, um, if you don't believe me, go back read it later. Uh, he's like, I was in Joppa. I was praying. Right. I saw the vision of the she. It descended. Voice came, said, "It's it's clean. Take, kill, eat." And, and 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 what God was saying is that he what he makes clean, I can't call unclean. I can't call common. And this all happened three times. But then at that moment, there was these men that took me to Caesarea, to. Uh, Cornelius, to the house of Cornelius. And so God was clearly preparing me and showing me that I needed to go with them. And so I went with them. And when I got there, there was a whole bunch of people ready to hear the gospel. Uh, this whole household was gathered. The, the people um, there, or some, some people that worked for him, they were all ready. And he had this message. And it says in verse uh, 15, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, remember remember when Jesus said this? He said, John baptized with water, but you you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He's like, that's what was happening. They were being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 17, and then if God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? He's like, if God accepted them, who am I to not? When they heard these things, they fell silent and then they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. I love it. So the church conflict, over. But here's the celebration. They're like, can you believe it? God gave the same Holy Spirit he gave to us to the Gentiles. Praise God who's granted repentance that leads to life. They recognized that even the Gentiles had been made in the image of God. They were loved by their maker and that there was better life with Jesus Christ ahead. They've been given repentance, which led to life in Jesus. God is building up his church. And this is the same way that God is still working today. And here's the thing. I think a couple things that we can just kind of um, make sure that we don't miss from this passage. One of them is this. Um, we're really good at, at separating and putting up walls that God is continually has uh, already tore down and is trying to tear down. Right? We've said it before, but in the recent years, especially some of the partiality that is shown in our world, or what we oftentimes call racism, right, has been very prevalent and brought to the spotlight. And our world is trying to address it. It recognizes the sin and the evilness that racism is. It's always been wrong to treat someone incorrectly because of whatever reason, their their skin color, their language, their history, their ethnicity, their country of origin, whatever it might be, to treat someone improperly because of that is wrong. But here's the problem, is that the reason that they're trying to do that is, is misguided, I don't, it, it doesn't logically make sense. I mean, how can you say on one side, like, hey, go to school and learn about evolution and, and understand that we came from a bunch of chemicals and that we're just part of this cosmic process, but yet your life has value, right? You are, you are important, like you are, you are valuable. It's like, I don't understand how we say that. Here's the thing, we believe that every person on this planet has value because they have been made in the image of God. That's where the value comes from. And so we know the answer to the the problem that the world is trying to answer. We know what it is. It's they need a new heart. We need a new heart. God is working in our heart. And we have to recognize, just like Peter, we tend to hold on to our domain and our thing. Here's our vision and our hope for our church is that we would grow continually in the diversity that we have. And we recognize that Madison is not the most diverse city but it is a diverse city. We have lots of people from different backgrounds, ethnicities, skin color, uh, languages, all of that. And by God's grace, we have some of that in our church. We would love for more of that in our church. Our hope is that anyone, regardless of where you're coming from or what you've done, that you would come in these doors and you would feel that you are welcomed by us and welcomed by God without judgment, right? That you hear and know and experience the love of Jesus Christ here in this place. That is our hope. But I heard a pastor recently say the reason that we have skin issues is because we have sin issues. So we can't fix the skin issue until we fix the sin issue. And so we need a new heart. We need to be transformed in this. This is a perfect example of why we are about this as a church. We want to love the way that Jesus loved and the way that he's showing. We want to build up and see the church built up that way. And so I just want to say that this is where we are going to continue to walk as a church, that we are going to continue to proclaim the gospel to any and all who would receive it. And anyone who hears it is welcome here in this place. And when it's going to be messy at times, we're going to like step on each other's feet, not understand each other all the time. It's easy to say, hard to do, right? But that's where we are going. I think it would be a miss if we don't see and recognize what God was doing there in the church. He was showing that In any nation, every nation, those who fear him, who does what is right, and we know you do that by calling on the name of Jesus Christ, all who receive the name of Jesus will be saved. But I wanna share, because I think sometimes we read a story like this and we think that, well, that happened back then, is God still doing the same thing now? And I just wanna tell you with confidence that he is. God is continuing to to do this same thing. He's preparing the hearts of people. The gospel is being proclaimed. They are being brought into life in Jesus Christ. And I just want to celebrate with you the way that that is happening. I'm gonna invite our team to start making their way up. They can um, get ready, but I just want to share a story of something that's um, happened in our church over the last um, several weeks. Uh, many of you know um, uh, Valerie Colby, um, part of our church, and um, been here for um, quite a while, and um, her, uh, her brother passed away several weeks ago, and um, through the funeral and just kind of the time together, she was able to reconnect with her mom, Ruby, um, in a way that she hadn't in a long, long time. Uh, there was a broken relationship there, and God used that, uh, that death and just the chance together to um, be able to connect, um, reconnect with her mom, and uh, when she was going up for the funeral, um, she had this burning desire and knew that she had to share the truth of the gospel with her mom. It's like, I don't know if I'm going to get another chance. I don't want to miss the opportunity. I haven't been able to do it yet. I need to tell her about Jesus and the hope that Valerie has in Jesus. And she shared with her. I think it was in that kitchen um, that she got the opportunity to pray with her mom, Ruby, to receive Jesus as her Savior. This just happened a few weeks ago. Well, another week or so go by and she gets a call that her mom had to go to the hospital uh, because uh, she had uh, late-stage cancer and uh, the prognosis was not good. There was not that many days left uh, to live. I talked to Val this morning. Uh, Her mom passed away uh, this morning, early. Val's up um, there in Superior was able to be with her this week. But here's the reality of the situation. Is Ruby lived her life in opposition to God for all of her days except for these last several ones. Just in the last few weeks God brought her to a place of repentance and acceptance of Jesus Christ. She was saved. And I'm telling you here today, based on the testimony of Valerie and what she witnessed and saw in her mom, that she received Jesus as her Savior. And I'm telling you, God has been preparing and working that out in her heart for a long, long time. And it wasn't until this moment, at just the right time, that He chose to save her. And it's such an amazing picture because over the last few days, Val's been there in the room with her and she's been reading scripture, she's been playing worship songs. And this morning, Val told me that she she was sitting there in the room with her mom, and God woke her up. She woke up, she walked over, held her mom's hand, was praying, talking to her, and then she watched as that machine line went flat. I'm telling you, here's what happened today. She let go of the hand of her mom, and her mom held then the hand of Jesus Christ. Jesus did that. God did that. He's still working in the hearts of people. And I want to tell you, listen, there are a lot of things that we are about as a church, a lot of things that we're doing, but nothing, everything pales in comparison. Nothing is important as the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. This message that we are sinners in need of a Savior and Jesus is that Savior This is the message that we are proclaiming. This is the message that we need to hear. This is the message that we need to respond to. If you're here today and you have not yet received Jesus, I want to tell you, do not delay. You don't know how many more days you have. You don't know what's ahead. But God gave Ruby the chance to respond. And it didn't matter what was done and played out the rest of those days. What matters is that she was his. And she is now for eternity with him praise our God who saves. This is the God, the Lord of all. He's still here. He's in this place, and he's working in this way. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you. We thank you for your saving work that you've done through the power of Jesus Christ, your son. Jesus, you save, you redeem, you make new. And so, God, we acknowledge here today that without you, we are lost, God, I wanna pray for the heart of any person here in this room, God, that's hearing the sound of my voice that knows that they've never received your free gift of salvation. God, the gift that you purchased through your death, through your blood shed on our behalf. God, that today would be the day. We don't need to run. God, you've welcomed us to yourself. You've made a way through your son, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that we would cling to that, that we would believe that, that we would receive your spirit and live in your spirit's power. Jesus, you are here. You are in this place. You are moving. You are working. God, would you work through us? Would you give us the boldness to run to the lost, God, to share with all who need to hear that you are the Lord, God, that you love your creation, and God, that you have made a way of salvation? God, we believe this. We trust you. Would you continue to do this work in our hearts, we pray. In the name of your son, Jesus, amen.